Welcome to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast, where business leaders tell their stories and share their insights. All our guests have a personal connection with Nottingham Business School. So listen, learn, enjoy and share. Entrepreneur Rob Darby is co-founder of the 200 Degrees coffee business that includes shops, barista schools and a nationally acclaimed roasting house. He started roasting coffee beans in a Nottingham garage almost 10 years ago. Before that, he spent more than a decade running pubs, cocktail bars and cafe bistros. But he originally studied to be an engineer. Today, we're delighted to welcome him to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders podcast. It's good to see you again, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Great to see you. So, 200 degrees seems to have seems to have weathered the pandemic better than, than many of your competitors. You, you've recently opened another four shops. You've got a total of 15 now. How have you managed all that? Um, I suppose we were we were quite fortunate in that, you know, when the pandemic set upon us, um, we were quite a strong and thriving business at the time. We were we were holding a reasonable amount of cash on the balance sheet and we were we were very profitable. So we were in a really good place to to manage the uh, the impacts of the pandemic. We had a really strong management team. At a time like the one that we had, uh, having a management team who are able to respond, whether it's your finance director looking at cash flow scenarios to see what the various what ifs might be, because it was such a world of unknown, is so important. You know, through to uh, managing really good communication with all your teams because at a time like that, there's anxiety running through everyone. Will I lose my job? Will this company um, survive? All sorts of communications, which are so important at a time, at any crisis point, it's, it's, it becomes absolutely paramount. So we have a strong team and, and, and a strong balance sheet, which I think sets us into a, a really, really good place, um, a really constructive conversations with landlords and and and, and various uh, creditors um you know to to manage the storm as well as we could and uh we pivoted the business a bit and did a lot more online than we'd previously done to bring what we could in in terms of, of revenue so uh, it's it's a combination of 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 lots of management practices and the fact that we were quite fortunate coming into it uh, that we were quite a strong business and did you see it as a test of your leadership Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, any leader who says that the last 24 months haven't been testing, I think is not being quite straight. It it was a huge test. We started communicating with everyone in our company on a daily basis. That was not something we previously did. Um, There was a whole load of behaviours that were that were that were very new, but also very important. But because 200 degrees prides itself on being different. I mean, I see lots of quotes from yourself talking about your company as being distinctively independent. I think that's what you use the phrase. I've also seen you railing against soulless corporate coffee. But as you expand and, and you're more successful and you become a bigger business, does being different become more difficult? I think it could become more difficult. I think you can get all sorts of advice from from various sources, whether it be outside consultants or internal leaders who who might be looking to trim margins to improve efficiency or to change marketing methods to reach more people. And, and so many of those changes might erode some of your original identity. And, and so 
I think as you grow, it becomes increasingly important to really understand who you are as a business and what makes you original or, or, or easily identified and to hold on to those core values. So I think as long as you understand what your core values are and your, your, your core principles are as you grow and you're very rigid in hanging on to that, then I think you can keep that identity. If, if you let it get eroded as you grow, then, then I think slowly but surely you, you, will, you will fade into the background. Well, you've become well established as one of Nottingham's most most popular businesses, uh, and, and becoming one of the city's favourite exports. Was that was that part of the business plan? I don't think to identify it in those words, maybe maybe not. But we're certainly very proud of of, of our Nottingham roots, and we're we're very proud that that Nottingham is expanding a product that, that's that's uh, roasted on the, the the banks of the River Trent. You know, to 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 the wider um, middle. And, and and beyond. So we're really proud of that, but I'm not sure that was exactly part of the business plan. I saw a, an article last week that made me smile. It was a pre-piece that somebody had written before you actually set up in Manchester. And the headline of the piece in, in, a, in a quite a well-read publication said, Nottingham's 200 degrees comes to Manchester. So they were they were prefacing the 200 degrees, your brand with Nottingham, as though it was it was uh, something that was symbiotically linked, which which I thought was a great thing. Great for Nottingham. I hope you hope you didn't mind it yourself. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely love that 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 someone wants to put the Nottingham attachment on on, on a headline. That's uh, you know we're proud to be from Nottingham, and 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 it, it really pleases me that someone's uh, proud of us to to link us. So yeah, that's fantastic. You and your business partner, Tom Vincent, originally arrived in Nottingham to study engineering. Now, after graduation, you moved into cafe bistros, pubs, bars, hospitality, and you started roasting your coffee in 2012. So how did that come about? So it really came about in in answer to a problem. I think we had five outlets at the time. So we were selling a fair amount of of coffee, which we were buying from other roasters. And we found a couple of problems. One of them was the, the, the quality was quite variable. Secondly, we didn't have any great coffee expertise, and we were we were looking for, to support from the roasters, which which they do tend to to talk about. But the reality was that the support wasn't particularly forthcoming. You know, the training and um, you know really sort of engaging with us as a partner just didn't happen. And I think it, it was these issues of quality control and support that we we felt created an opportunity for us and, and something that we wanted to do better which was you know, roast a better and more consistent product and uh, give our wholesale partners the, the support that we felt was lacking from existing businesses. So we were answering a problem, really. You started with your roasting, but you've become best known to a lot of people for your coffee shops. And you've been a, a great advocate for the future of city centre retail. But you have actually said that the coffee shops are just a window for your wholesale roasting business. How is that? How do, how do they, how's the, what's the business dynamic here? So uh, if I was to pitch up in a, in a city where no one had ever heard of 200 degrees with some 200 degrees coffee and, and try and convince someone that my product is the right one for them to buy in their cafe, bar, restaurant, office, that's quite a tough sell for them to become attached to that, that product to the point that they're, they're prepared to sign on the dotted line and, uh, and take up a contract for our supply. But if they've already been exposed to our brand as a consumer in a coffee shop, they've loved the coffee, they've, they've loved the environment, they've loved the, the whole ethos of the 200 degrees brand. For me then to extend that and say, so you really enjoy our coffee, do you know you can have that in your office, hotel, cafe, bar, whatever? 
is a much easier sell. So I'm preaching to the converted. I'm, I'm not turning up as a salesperson. And that's been very successful so far? Yeah, very successful. And and interestingly, post-pandemic is is growing faster than it's ever grown. So one of the things we're finding is, is, is the idea of um, sort of the employer brand is becoming increasingly important. So lots of offices are finding it quite difficult to get teams back in the office following everyone getting used to home working. And, and there's going to be a balance between how much you're in the office and how much you're at home. I think everyone understands that now. But there's many leaders who are quite keen on having people back in the office. And improving that employer brand, some of the, the perks and frills that come with being in the office is, is becoming increasingly important. So just as simple as having better coffee is a good thing to introduce just to help your employees want to, to, to spend time in the office. To what extent have you been affected by the fact that more people are working at home? Is the extra coffee you're selling as a, a wholesale making up for the fact that perhaps there's less footfall around your coffee shops? On a numbers basis, probably not. The coffee shops have not yet fully recovered, and that depends a little bit on on what's the main driver. Um, we have obviously some in uh, in out of town retail destinations. They're, they're they're trading very strongly at the minute, and then we have some very much in commuter destinations, which are still well down on pre COVID numbers. So you know, on a pure numbers basis, no. But actually, the shops are recovering pretty well, and they continue to do so. And uh, the wholesale side is is growing strongly. So, on balance, it, it's we're, we're turning out okay. And do you see the future of them getting back to where they were, or is it going to have to be a different model then? I think the the shops we've got, I think we'll all get to if they're not already there, get to a place where we're very happy with them. In terms of the model going forward, growing, I'm nervous of city centres at the minute, not because I don't think we can trade well there, but just because they are evolving quite fast. What is currently the central hub is sometimes moving a little bit with the rate of closure of some of the retail stores. So there's some areas where I would be nervous to go there now and and i think there will always be a hub to every city but i think it might shift over the next few years um, as to where there might be a smaller focal point overall in the long term i think we will be opening in cities again whatever happens you'll think there'll always be a place for a high quality independent coffee shop oh for sure yeah i mean we we, we don't all want to spend our times in our houses 24 7 even if home working is here to stay and i'm sure it is we're sociable animals and we want to be out you know with our friends and colleagues so there will always be a place for a coffee shop it's just ensuring it's in the, in the right place with where, where where people are having high dwell time this podcast is all about leadership so what's your leadership style it's really difficult to summarize a leadership style i think if i tried to summarize it i i would say that i look for ownership so I look for everyone in, in my team to have ownership over their day-to-day life and their outcomes. No one is micromanaged. No one has particularly set hours. The people in the shops do, but I'm talking more about the, the, the management team. But I do expect outcomes and I expect positive outcomes. And where people don't have positive outcomes, I expect them to own that, that, that poor outcome and to demonstrate how that will change. And for everyone who behaves like that, then, then I, I have great respect and we grow together. What have you learned as you've been building 200 degrees? Perhaps something that you know now that you wish you'd known 10 years ago. It's hard as, a, as an entrepreneur to learn not to try and do everything yourself. And I think that's probably, you know, the, the, the leadership journey, which uh, 
which if you if you start something from a seed and grow uh, is the hardest to learn as you get bigger that becomes more and more essential you know the art of delegation and, and shared responsibility is really important but but quite difficult now you're successful and well established what do you enjoy most about being in charge i love shared successes we have loads of employees who we have issued with share options i love the fact that they are growing what will be really nice little windfalls for them in the future that makes me you know really really happy i like the nature that we have perhaps a shop manager who started as a barista they've grown to be a shop manager they then go on to be an area manager and 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 you know i've really seen their career grow and blossom from perhaps being an apprentice or, or something and, and we've got several really good success stories like that growing your own is that something that's very important to you as a leader yeah i think so I love an internal promotion. Probably something that we've learned is external hires are also really important because you bring in new skill sets and other experiences and new ways of doing things. So I've probably learned in, in more recent years how, how much value you can get from an external hire. But I'd like to balance that with with the people who've who've shown loyalty and, and graft and have, have matured with us. Um, and it's also a really important way to retain good people. They uh, they won't stay if they don't see any progress. Anything that you might have, on reflection, done differently? I, I guess the trickiest has to be COVID and managing the pandemic. Um, would I have done anything differently? I, I made, I, I only made three people redundant, um, uh, which I'm very proud it was only three. On reflection, I probably could have got away without doing that. Um, and, and I quite would have quite liked to be sat here saying I didn't make anyone redundant. Um, which, uh, which, which, and it was the sales team for wholesale, and and I felt that wholesale was completely done as far as I could see in the future. And it was at the end of the first round of furlough before they'd announced a long extension to it. And actually, I did it with a long notice. So I did it in the August before the furlough ran out in October, with a long notice period, with a view that I thought there was going to be a flood of job losses in October. And uh, I thought if I did mine early. I would actually give them the best chance of getting jobs. And but all three of them actually picked up new roles well before I'd stopped paying them. So from that point of view, I, I felt I, I did that quite well. But with hindsight, I probably could have got away without doing it. I feel a responsibility. They've all got family and independence and, and various bills to pay. And, and I'm well aware that a lot of the decisions I make day to day have a huge impact on on the outcomes of, of, of the company. So likewise, without all their hard work and graft, we would have no company. It's a dual relationship where I depend on them, but you know they depend on me and I, I, I take my side of it very seriously. I don't like to worry you now, but back in 2017, when the uh, when Formark had just given you three million pounds to aid your expansion, uh, and you said the money would help you maintain high standards and a warped sense of humour. So do the best business leaders all have a sense of humour? I think they have to, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I want everyone to have fun at work. And if I have a sense of humour about what I go about day to day, then I think that filters down and uh, and uh, hopefully everyone else can enjoy enjoy their time at work. So, yeah, I think uh, you also need a sense of humour sometimes when the chips are down, because uh, if you didn't, you'd tear your hair out. But you're conscious of the fact that everybody's looking at you all the time as a leader. Something I've really learned over the years is this sense of the leaders set the culture of the organisation. I think sometimes that can feel like just a phrase. 
how, how can that actually be so? Well, ha having grown what is a, a reasonable sized organization now, I can be absolutely categorical that that statement is completely true. You really do set the, the culture of the organization. So it's really important to go about doing that well. And, and if you hadn't uh, ended up roasting coffee, do you think you, you think you still would have been a leader, whatever you did? I think so, probably, yeah. I think uh, on graduation, I always knew that my, my desire was to be my own boss and to run a business. At that point, I didn't necessarily know what that business might be, but I, th I felt that that was probably where I was heading. Leaders are, are born, not made? I think to some extent, um, you know, you, you have to be prepared to take risks. You have to be prepared to borrow large sums of money. You know, you often have to sign directors loans, which put your your um, your, your house on the line or, or, or similar assets. I've taken many risks like that uh, uh, over the years. And, and there are individuals who just don't want to do that. And that's fine. And, and there are also individuals who are prepared to. So I think there is a, is a large element of character that, that leads you into running your own business. And finally, if you had one piece of advice for the, the young would-be leaders, the leaders of the future at Nottingham Business School, setting out on their, on their career path today, what, what might that be? Do something you're really passionate about. I wasn't hugely passionate about coffee when we set up this business. I was passionate about customer service and and standards and looking after the customer and, and all of those elements of the business, which, which within coffee I felt wasn't happening. And that has driven us to make loads of great decisions uh, in, in, in the way we developed our business. You have to be passionate about what you're doing. You'll be doing a lot of it and it will be tough at times and without that passion i think that's when you maybe might fall foul of uh, of the tough times from everybody at uh, nottingham business school thanks very very much indeed thanks mike all the best if you enjoyed this episode then why not check out some of the others that are also available including those with former banking executive robin fole the army's chief medic peter homer and sports marketing guru Charlotte Cox. The Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast is produced for Nottingham Trent University by Celtic Tiger Productions. Your presenter was Mike Sassy and your producer was John Collins.